man, what a difference a week makes. Oh, yeah. It gets a little raw with the, the Whole30 conversation this week. Yeah, it's the most F words ever used in one episode of Dinner Table Talks. Is that the truth? That's right. One of us is perverted. It gets a bit explosive. So pull up a chair, baby. We've got a lot to talk about. Somehow you found another one of these reality shows. Which one are you talking about this time? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Talking about the mother-daughter. Oh, the Yvonne Hadid? I don't know. I love model shows. Yeah, I mean, like... The cosmic astrology one, that was just silly and fun. Okay, but if you see me watching makeup, the makeup ones, the modeling ones where they're making clothes, like uh-huh. the, like it's all, that's all, it's all about the models and the modeling. Are the model ones where they make makeup? Yes. That's one, that one's called Glow. So I have... Or cooking shows. I love the cooking shows too. When I'm doing desk work at my office, I will sometimes open a second window on my screen and just have something on in the background. Mm-hmm. And that lately has been Ted Lasso. The new one? No. Oh. Rewatching. Oh, okay. When's the new I'm one? I'm not out? watching the say. new one without you. Yeah. I'm not stupid. I, I, I get in <laughs> trouble for real stuff. I'm not gonna get in trouble for that. <laughs> and there's a scene in the first season where he and Rebecca, the team owner's husband, get into the dart throwing contest. Uh-huh. And then tells the story of how he knows about darts. And the way he gets to that story is he always resented being judged his whole life until he saw a quote in his son's school by Walt Whitman, be curious, no judgment. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I got it wrong. <laughs> but we jump to judgment rather than ask questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching these shows with you all sit down on the couch for a little while. I'm curious. I'm not going to judge. Mm-hmm. Some of them are strangely addictive. I actually like good reality TV shows. Because I'm a sociologist, I like to watch the way that people react. Now, granted, I also understand it's, it's a heavily edited yes, show. Yes, and yeah. it's all yes, and it's all set up in ways to get people to react yeah. in certain ways and all of that. So that's why I'm saying the good ones, the uh-huh. ones that are well produced and also about specific subject matters. I love to watch my I modeled and I was only five foot five, so there. It, not only was I only five foot five, but I was also like a little like muscle butt, chunky muscle. I was the idea that I would ever be anything like what we're watching on any of these shows was never a reality in my life, never. But in my mind, it was. In my mind, I was a little Kate Moss. <laughs> well, I'll sit down on the couch and watch it for a few minutes, and all of a sudden, it's now. Who, who, who is she? Which one is this? Mm-hmm. Did they have sex? Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to explain to you who the people were on this one, the modeling one. Yeah. That's Yvonne Hadid. Okay, you've heard of Gigi Hadid, right? I had to Google it. You hadn't heard of it when I said the words? You were like, yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, the, name, the name sounded familiar. Yeah, because the boys talk about her. Okay. Because yeah. she's, she's gorgeous. But it's interesting because there's a 13-year-old on it. And there's a whole lot of conversation about what's appropriate for a 13-year-old when modeling and they, you know, are doing a pretty good job because it's 2022 right. of like presenting her like a 13-year-old, but a 13-year-old that absolutely could do editorials in Vogue magazine because she's that gorgeous. But she's got the body of a baby because she's 13, right? They're not trying to push her boobs up and they're not trying to, you know, make Did her you look get like... Into some... I was 13 when I started and there was definitely like... and And I know that that was a part of like... My personality was to push it too. Like if they were going to let me push it, like I'm going to go ahead and try to push it and be like way sexier than I actually am. 
But like the idea that there was anybody that was like that there was photographers that were like, this is appropriate for a 13 year old, you yeah. know, or that it, that wasn't there. No, but now I'm watching this and it's a big point of the show of this particular show. It's a big deal because we do not exploit these children in any way. Exactly. They're right. trying to make that point. We are not exploiting these 13 year olds by showing their breasts and things because they don't have, you don't have rest when you're 13. Like, you know, not really. Some girls maybe, but no, not really. I don't know. Like, th- it's that's nice. the kind of pop culture I can get into. You're nice, too, because when I sit down, you'll say, okay, we can watch something else. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, no, let's, let's, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Are they going to slap each other? Because what I figured out is, like I told you yesterday, I watched my soap opera for one hour today, <laughs> and then I went and did some other stuff, you know. In the middle of the day when it's hot, you know, I go inside like everybody else and go have a lunch break. And so then you'll come back to me the next day, and you'll... Be like, hey, wait, well, I missed some stuff. Yeah, right. Did you watch this without me? And I'm like, hey, yeah. She dyed her like, hair. <laughs> yeah. I watched it during my story hour. <laughs> but then I'll, maybe I'll say, what else might there be around? And then we kind of wander. It's like whatever thing we're on, yeah. be it Netflix or whatever. What have we? What are we watching together? Oh, that one's already over. We saw the Ring of Thrones or right. whatever, you know. But then every once in a while, there's a movie that, bang, perfect. And we watched Elvis the other day. Yeah. That was good because I had wanted to see that, but I was turned off by the marketing of it. Yeah. Over on the Veer and Movie podcast, we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. We were all three kind of ambivalent to it. Mm-hmm. It's a Baz Luhrmann film and Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite movies of all time. Same director. Yeah. But he's done a couple of things in the meantime that it's like, eh, I'm just not as excited to see his name in front of it. Particularly the one that we spoke about was Great Gadsby. Because Great Gadsby, and I, I like this conversation we were having, Baz, as the director of very, very cult books. Yeah. Books that Iconic things. we have already created for many, many years, a visual image of what Great Gadsby looked like in our he- in our own heads and what those characters were and who they were to us and who was the good guy and who was the bad guy and all that stuff. We'd already created that stuff in our head. Or maybe appre- or maybe we hung it on the previous version with Robert Redford. No, the because the thing about it is, is that that movie was so like the Robert Redford movie was so just, it wasn't a big deal. That was the thing I was about to say. It's like, I appreciate the visually appealing side about like, Baz, you're going to take on Great Gatsby. I expect a lot from yeah, you. We, That's my point. I remember that. I had high I expectations. I was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, he's going to turn it into a beautiful masterpiece. He's going to take the visual image that, you, because what did you find? I'm a freak about Great Gatsby. I'm a freak about that story. It means so much to me. And it, I became a huge fan of the Fitzgeralds and Zelda particularly. And bleh, it was horrible. It was so, so, so bad. I was so, I was broken hearted. Like as I'm talking about it, it makes me feel yeah, like Yeah, and then you followed that up with stomach. Australia. I didn't care. I wouldn't. Whatever. I didn't even look into that yeah. because that looked like, that's part of it. And so the Elvis one. Yeah. We didn't make it to the theater to see it, right? Which that could have happened, but it didn't. And But every time I would look at like the trailers or whatever, when I would see the actor that they had, the marketing the way they presented him, it wasn't nowhere near. Well, I'll tell you why it works in the movie. It's not a jolt because he starts so young and they look even more similar. Yeah. And so once you get used to it, then where the journey went, yeah, you could get behind. Yeah. You, you were led there he over the like course of the- like just a guy wearing a lot of makeup on all the marketing. But the marketing's bang, 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 all yeah. the different looks. And it's like, wait a second, he's not exactly right. I don't think they're going to get this right. 
I'm not going to go see this. Yeah. I mean, when they would put his face, yeah. it was like this bright colored makeup face. That's just not Elvis. That's not Elvis. But then when I we watched the movie, because I was going to watch the movie regardless. Sure. So. Yeah. Waiting on it to get into one of our services that we pay for. Yeah. And there it is. Oh, great. Okay. You want to watch it? Yeah. Let's watch it. Sounds good. HBO Max. It was great. I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I liked really it very much. I really appreciated the visual imagery of it. Uh-huh. I listened to the soundtrack of it the other day. The soundtrack, it's great. Yeah. It's got Doja Cat in it. I mean, like, it's got, like, all kinds of great rap music in it, all combined with Elvis's rock and roll and, like, B.B. King and all of the folks in that Beale Street music scene. Af- after we watched so it, cool. I Googled how accurate it was, the story of uh-huh. Tom Parker, Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis. Uh-huh. They took a few liberties, but it's supposed to be pretty accurate to the story. And that's when I was watching it, I was saying to myself, yes, I know it's just a movie, but how little I knew of Elvis. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing album covers that grandparents owned. I remember hearing the songs. Right. Anyway, I was vague about all of the phases of Elvis. And that's what I enjoyed most about the film was this telescoped walk through his career. It was fascinating. We stopped in Memphis. On the way back, that trip in 2019, when right. we drove all the way from Maine to Corpus Christi mm-hmm. across America, it took 10 days. It was really fun, actually. Uh, you have a lot of fond memories of that trip. Yeah, I do. And so we stopped in Memphis, and we stayed at Graceland. We stayed in the hotel that's the Graceland Hotel or whatever, and we went over to Graceland to yeah. the house, and you couldn't, like... Actually, that's not true. We kind of, I think we were able to kind of, there's certain places you could walk up in it and we saw different things. So that was cool. But like all I had like memories about Elvis really was that he was a big old mama's boy uh-huh. and that he changed rock and roll and that he died a big old fat Las Vegas on entertainer. The, on the toilet. I didn't even remember. I thought it was Jim Morrison that died on the toilet. Jim Morrison died in, in the, the bathtub. bathtub. You've seen the Doors movie. <laughs> That's where we got our history of all of this. Oh, well, yeah. I'm a huge Doors fan, though. I've actually li- read a lot of books about Jim Morrison. I watched that movie recently. I've watched it that movie a hundred times, man. It's I'm a huge fan. Anyway, it got us talking about that. Icons. And I knew there was, like, when they said Colonel Thomas Parker, Colonel Tom Parker, like, I vaguely remember, like, okay, that was the manager, okay. But I didn't really remember, oh, they'd had a big fight and he'd end up, ended up stealing. And I didn't really yeah. know any of that. But watching that whole story unwind, even the, the history, because if you look at the time period of when he went from a child to traveling on the first, you know, one of those like country road junkets, like a circus performer right. at different stage shows... To dying at 40. 42. Was very fast during a time period of a lot of change going on in this country. There was the death of Martin Luther King, the death of Jan F. Kennedy, the death of Rob Kennedy, the death of... Malcolm X. There was big shit going on during that time, you know, for everyone. Any Mm -hmm. Anybody that was a rise to fame, you know, dealing with stuff like that. Well, he... Redescribed what fame could be. Yeah. In a very short, fast, hot ball of time. Well, in my opinion, Tom Parker was just the first one to figure out how to do it. Sure. Then we're going to do it with the monkeys, and then we're going to do it with the menudo. 
that stuff that we're like, oh, they're just like performers that are all manufactured. I'm like, they're all manufactured, you guys. Right. Even when they said like, well, Millie and Vanilli and them aren't singing their own music. And I was like, are any of them singing their own music? I don't believe any of them are singing their own music unless I see them on a stage with a guitar like I do at ACL. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they're singing there. But even still, I'm all, they probably still have some overage of, you Over know, them. whatever. It's all a stage show. Like, of course it is, you guys. But then to like watch the whole situation where it's like, if we can't control the youth, then we're just going to jail the youth. And right, and that one scene when he was just starting out in his career and they were performing in performing halls, they have a rope down the middle of the, from the stage to the very back, Mm -hmm. whites on one side, African-Americans on the other. And I think I said out loud, how are these adults doing that? Yeah, that doesn't make sense to my brain. Well, yeah, how that's because... Did they, how did those adults string those ropes and, and make those signs and think that it made any sense at I'll all? I'll tell you how they did it. They didn't know anything different. Right. They literally didn't know anything different until they had people that were of influential power to just shift and and, and actually, when they're figuring out what kind of power this particular character has, this the energy that this particular... This one performer... And the first woman screeches in the crowd. Right. Well, now, like, the other girls are like, well, it's that, it's the, you see that weirdo down there? He, he's, he's down there dancing by himself. If he can okay. pick up one more person. Right. And then he's picked up three people. Right. But now it becomes a whole scene. All hundreds of people. Okay. Once it had happened, it broke through a barrier that young women were trying to break through, which was to have... But the thing Expression. is, yes, but the thing is, is that once it got past the point of like the first five people going insane, the insanity was in, was a collective, like it didn't, it wasn't the same thing anymore. It wasn't like this expression of like an experience. It was now everyone's having an expression. Now everyone has to wear the same types of shoes. Now everyone has to scream and throw their panties on the stage because it happened one time at one show. The fact that then in that moment in the movie, Tom Parker looks at that last girl. That's like literally like an insane woman, like reefer madness, like right. Yeah. She sees something that she wants that she can't have, or she sees the forbidden fruit. She sees that ladies and gentlemen is exactly what they teach you at the marketing school. <laughs> That's exactly emotions. You see those emotions? Now you see that you've got something that they actually want but can't have. I can sell it to you. Uh Uh-huh. I'm about to sell you everything. Not only am I going to sell you how much you love Elvis, I'm even going to sell to the haters of Elvis. And that's when, again, it clicked into me. The whole movie just changed my whole, like it went right back into everything I believe about everything. Every single thing is a sales pitch and it doesn't matter how in alignment it is with your philosophies someone's selling you something but what made elvis different according to the movie is that tom parker was the great salesman but when he tried to change elvis into what the audience didn't want elvis did break free from that and became bigger and bigger in other words when he could be unthrottled he had a special power to bring audiences. Yeah, that was his. 
the energy of getting the attention of the room, that was his. Where the whole world is paying attention to this one person. He changed the level of what a celebrity could be. Yeah. And there have always been these figures through pop culture that advanced what but celebrity is. But I think that is. there was an element of like that was starting to occur during that time, right? Because Michael Jackson. Because Michael Jackson was about a decade later okay. when Jackson 5 and them were kicking yes, off. right. Exactly. Because it was kind of a similar thing. And the startup of Elvis was like, it kind of started as this little like podunky thing but then everybody discovered that like elvis was the yeah, star michael of jackson that. of that jackson five has got an exceptional the energy to bring the room talent. together yeah. yeah exactly um madonna had that yeah i don't Lady know gaga I, I think has it now jay-z beyonce i think yeah, had it. yeah. beyonce maybe beyonce. beyonce beyonce maybe no beyonce She's that level michael like i don't think i would put anybody now necessarily beyonce is a good example at elvis level yeah like i wouldn't put lady gaga at the level of like the type of you're right because once we got into the world where we had internet like it's easy to be known by everybody on the planet (laughs) you know like it's that's not even a hard thing anymore when you're elvis and it's 1952 how how are you gonna even get known by people in other continents well that was the also the rise and proliferation of television plus i also think that there's an element of the child part of it he was a child whenever they, just like Michael Jackson was a child. Now, Elvis was a little older than Michael Jackson was, but not by far. I mean, he was like 17 or 18, mm-hmm. you know, whenever this stuff started. A lot of those other people, they didn't jump to that level of fame when they were that young. Didn't have those moves. No, didn't have those moves. That was a great scene when the moves yeah. and then the re- audience's reaction to the moves. Because I'd heard those stories, they wouldn't show them on TV from the waist down after the first time caused such a uproar by the uh-huh. religious, I don't even, by the people that don't like to see that on TV. <laughs> Yet again, everything I've been thinking about, this concept of perversion, that we taught people how to be perverted, and then the more perverted we got, the more perverted, like it, it's just this weird like... We like, make up these lines. Yeah. You're talking about decency laws. Well, yeah, but I mean, they literally use the word lewd and perverted. They use the word perverted. Perverted's a big deal. Not because we have allowed people to move their bodies and to do sex in ways that make the most sense for their bodies and to look at bodies and to show parts of their bodies and all of whatever, you know. Sing about their bodies, make a movie about their bodies. Whatever. Right. That's not the part I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that every time we call something perverted, we made it perverted. It wasn't perverted until we made it perverted. We are teaching our children, this is perverted. That's perverted. You don't want to do that. But you taught them perversion by telling them the that's only thing that perverted. makes Elvis's hips wagging on TV perverted lewd perverted is that some Someone power gets to call that thing perverted perverted so now we're teaching our children a different thing might have perversion. said his, his elbows are uncovered his elbows are uncovered it could have been a different person's definition of perverted exactly and then it's like oh we have to keep our elbows covered a woman's bathing suit must look like this in order to be quote unquote proper Uh, Yeah. Someone made that rule. Right. And then the rules shift, but you've got a whole generation of people that are still sitting there going, this line down the middle, why, how do they stand there with the line down the middle between people that look one color on this side and one color on the other side? Because they were taught by the generations above them that that was appropriate, that that 
was perverted or that that or that that was, was a solution to some problem that right. we're defining. Right. So we are literally teaching the thing that we're trying to keep from teaching. We're right. teaching it. That's right. how it works. I'm with you. Don't go upstairs to my bedroom while I'm gone. I wasn't going to till you suggested exactly. it. Exactly. I wasn't now even... I want to go into your bedroom more than anything exactly. and see what's in there. What are you hiding? Exactly. And that's very confusing to young, curious people. It's very confusing. Be curious, not judgmental. I just bring it back around. A <laughs> But really, you know, like, okay, so now what do we do with this thing over here in this one camp? They're saying it's not perverted. But over here in this other camp, they're saying it's perverted. Well, now I'm just going to lie and hide while I do the perverted thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how I was raised. I know. (laughs) That's my point. And it's very confusing to young people that are trying to figure out what to do with these feelings they have in their bodies. Yeah. It's very confusing. Right. And there's no one there giving them any like accurate information. Now things are getting even more increasingly confusing about what's perverted because almost anything's allowed now, but not. I'm sitting there watching grandmothers that are probably very good Christian women from Minnesota saying on TikTok. Like, I'm so confused. How the do we expect our 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds not to be confused about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate when there's no safe place in society to have a conversation? Nope. Maybe there's safe places to have the conversations at home, you're talking about but conversations. that's still in your own bubble you're talk- at home. Yeah, I was going to say you're talking about conversations that are probably going to have a lot of tripping off words in them. Well, Yeah. I would have loved to have been able to talk about abortion with a lot of the mothers that I hang out with about their opinions about it, because I think that there needed to be a really important conversation about that. But But the moment someone expresses some opinion that someone else doesn't like, the conversation gets shut down effectively in one way or another. Yeah. And honestly, I've gotten less and less interested in having any of those conversations with anybody anymore, because what's the point, you know? You're rarely finding someone to to dialogue with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No Which judgment, honestly, no shame, interestingly enough, no fighting. The solution that I've come up with at this point is to go on Instagram and do lives while I sit in the garden and garden and just talk about whatever I want to talk about. But don't say it on Facebook because Facebook is like the land of the old grumpy people. Right. And Twitter is the young grumpy people. <laughs> like, I hate Facebook so bad these days. And we can't take ourselves out of it. Not when you're content creators, not when you're public speakers, you can't. It's one of the social public communication platforms that exists. It's like the newspaper now. I no longer even read our local paper online. Exactly. Which I used to do. Right. Why? Why have I quit? Yeah. I didn't require it. That's my point. Because on my Facebook feed... Is the news stations, the local news oh, stations shit, I content. I turned that off a long time ago, too. I've... I literally don't care what the mass media has to say about anything. I don't even have to watch or have any of that stream coming up in my news feed. Was your evolution... To still go onto Facebook and know what the daily bullshit argument is about. What the hot thing right now is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen an article about the fact that um, everyone in the 
planet seems to want to argue about Black Mermaid. I haven't seen any news no. articles about that, nor do I watch the news or whatever, but somehow I know that there's some kind of a stupid debate. Who cares? I am so blown away with how naive people are about what's coming that that's still worthy of people's time to even discuss and that the media is talking about it. The media is talking about it because all I need you to do is click so that they can get paid. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm calling rabbit trail right now. Deet, deet. <laughs> well, me talking to myself out there in the garden and having a place to talk about it is just me. I'm, I study sociology and communications. That's what I study. So I look at the way we're interacting with all these different things. And I'm like actively watching how we respond to what we're being sold. And being so naive that we don't understand that we're being sold something. We're an entire population, a massive population of people that are all arguing about shit we don't know what we're even talking about. Every time I scroll now, every single one of the posts that people are making, specifically on Facebook, is a bullshit meme that they haven't even paid attention to what they've reposted or something that they're professing that they actually know nothing about diets gardening and i can't even argue with it anymore like that's how done i am with facebook when's the last time you got into any kind of scrape what, was, what one would it, call a scrape it was actually this week and i was just like oh. i'm f done with it i'm so done with it i, I just can't even I'm a like month, now probably. i'm the troll i have my month chip uh, now I'm like a troll. Now I'm the troll. He's got to get back. Got to get back on that horse, Aislinn. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't want to, not to get be back that on... kind of person. Hold on. Yes, that. you're gonna use the. Okay, you're gonna use these platforms because they are. Because I'm a communicator. I'm sure. a content creator, and I have a message to share. And you don't wish to participate in the general <laughs> that's going on. I don't want to have stupid conversations with people that don't know what they're talking about. You got to get back up on that horse and not have an argument tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no, I can get back on the horse and not have an argument every day. But it's funny because I find myself now, like, I, I know that there was a moment where I was looking for something. I was looking for a specific conversation because I want, that's my point, is that I want to be able to find places just like you do mm. with, with the comedy, getting that together and getting up there and performing and doing it. I need to be able to practice the things I'm communicating because I've got lots of big messages that are coming out of about health and wellness and lifestyle and mind, body, spirit, and my garden is a sanctuary and garden guru. And I, the things that have been coming out of me lately, they're not things I'm pulling out of books. They're things I'm pulling out of meditation. They're my words. And that is a level up of it. And I'm actively looking to engage in really good contemplative conversations about mind body spirit and where this planet yeah. is going and social media is a difficult place to navigate that kind of conversation Unle I don't, unless you're I in a don't, silo i don't believe that it's a difficult place to do it i believe that everyone believes that their voices are equal <laughs> and we taught them that your voice is just as valuable even though you don't know what you're talking about your voice is just as valuable. That is the truth. Wisdom says just because you can talk about something, just because your voice is seen as an equally valued voice doesn't mean 
that you have anything to say and that anything you're saying is accurate. So if there's a fire and someone says, put water on it, that voice is equal to the voice that says, no, put gasoline on it. Yes. Right. They are equally valued. That is the truth. Now we get to have an argument on Facebook. When do we really get to the point where there's enough people in any given bubble that go, no. We're not going to tolerate that rope down the middle of the... We're literally going to turn away. We're not going to go on and draw more attention to the stupidity of the person that's telling someone to put gasoline on the fire. You're right. And I'm bad at it too. I do it too. Right. That one particular conversation I'm talking about, that post would have gone in and out of the ether with no one even aware of it if I hadn't commented. Why do I care what she thinks about profanity? Why do you care? Because I have a personal like trigger about people saying you're not a good Christian if you say the word or whatever you think is profane. Because you might think the word Bob is profane. That's exactly why. I'm, t- I'm tired of that life. And just to be safe, we bleep out the F word on this podcast in case it might be profane. Well, but that doesn't have anything to do with whether I believe it's profane or of not. Because I use the word. It's, it's All a I'm joke. saying is, is that if you've taught your child that's listening in the car that someone that says the word is a sinner and not good enough to be a Christian, then I can't help you with that. We're on a different wavelength. It doesn't matter whether I bleep it out or not. I'm just bleeping it out because I don't know what you've taught your child about the word That's the only reason I'm bleeping it out. Not because I have taught my children that the word matters. The word matters when you're being mean to somebody. But if I'm just saying the word I could be talking about all the love in the world and still using the words, the letters F-U-C-K. Unanswered questions. Aislinn, what happens when between the time it's exciting to gong the gong and then a week later when it's time to answer the question, I just don't give a f- about the question. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> that's going to be my last one for the day. It depends on what your tone was when you said the word f- Do you mean it in a do loving, we care what's in a, way? Do we care what's in a homemade Lowry's seasoning? Yeah, I asked the question. Duh. <laughs> so when I made those homemade potato chips, I used this recipe. But I took the sugar out because we're on Whole30. These are the ingredients. I'll post it for the quantities. Salt, paprika, turmeric, onion powder, garlic powder, plus sugar. But I didn't use the sugar. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that worked. Did it taste like Laurie's seasoned salt to you on hot, freshly made potato chips? I think that the thing that I like about Lowry's seasoning must be the sugar. <laughs> I'd be curious to know if, if what it honestly is, is that it's got sugar in it that makes me... Because when I've tasted some of the best seasoned fried foods, like yeah. French fries yeah. and wings and more back in the days when I used to eat meat from restaurants, right? I would always go to Wingstop. And at Wingstop, they had these um, steak fingers, and I loved them. Like, I would go get them all the time. They had this great seasoning on I it. I never got anything at Wingstop besides wings. They had the best steak fingers. I don't know. We were really excited you know, because I was like fresh out of College Station whenever I came home down here and then they opened up a wing stop down here. Wing stops from College Station. Like that's a College Station thing. So I was like, oh my God, we finally got a wing stop down here. You know, so we went to wing stop like all the time. That was But you would get steak fingers. Yes. How many wings can you eat in a lifetime before you're like, 
You got anything else here besides wings? I'm not done trying. They are getting wings at the farmer's market very soon. Well, good. That's different though. Like that, not, not having the opportunity to have wings and then having wings like once a year or something like that, that makes wings like really like valuable. The other unanswered question was me asking myself in the future if I did indeed begin emulating our buddy Chris that came over and showed us how he packed in for a healthy lunch. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I did. You did? I totally did. You brought yourself lunches? No, no, no. I would have basically a, a grazing center. Okay. What did you take? Just to give me calories until I got home and we did some kind of fancy schmancy dinner. Mm-hmm. That's what I did wrong that first week was not take myself and prepare and go to the office with it. So I took all of the nuts that we've collected, cashews, almonds, mm-hmm. pistachios, a Tupperware of little blueberries mm-hmm. and grapes. And I bought myself a package of dates. For the office? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, oh, I have like a whole spread. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, and then you came in today and said... I'm eating too much of the snacks, the sugar, the dates. Whole30 is designed for you to have a communicative time with your body while you eliminate some things. Mm-hmm. How am I handling the craving for alcohol or sugar or mm-hmm. maybe ramen noodles are my favorite thing, whatever it is that I can't have right now. Mm-hmm. And I watched myself over the course of the last week, five, six days, shift to very high sugar fruits. Mm-hmm. I guess to fill that hole, move over cantaloupe, move over mango. There's dates and there's grapes in the house. Exactly. Oh, that's my favorite. But now it's time to say, okay, you have to adjust away from that. Yeah. What I said last week was that I don't miss anything. Right. I'm not missing chocolate. I'm not missing queso. I'm not missing... Mezcal? Mezcal. No, no, I'm not not missing anything, Uh you know? But... I don't feel better. Well, that's what you said at the very beginning was you've done all of this before, just not all at the same time. I mean, I will be curious to see what happens when I put dairy back in after I've given this. So this is the first big real break I've had from dairy probably all my life. Right. Serious break from dairy. That break, that might not be any issue for you at all. I don't know. It might be. That would be the one, if anything, that I would expect to see. But I think that there's a real challenge. I think that what I was concerned about at the beginning is potentially a thing for me. And that is, I'm not sure that switching just to eating a bunch of fruit and meat is making me feel better. And vegetables. Oh, well, and vegetables too. I mean, okay, I'm eating a lot of vegetables, but I wouldn't say I'm eating any more vegetables now than I was eating before. Oh, I, d- eating, I definitely am. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not eating more vegetables now than I was eating before. Uh-huh. Outside of maybe, maybe you're cooking a few more, you're, you're uh, cooking more meals. So I'll I'm eating, but I wouldn't even say that now because. No, no, we, I've gotten very comfortable with meal leftover, meal leftover. But here's my whole, if you imagine my caloric intake prior to Whole30, my caloric intake is down. Well, of course. Being on Whole30. And the things in my life that I was eating that I'm no longer eating is causing a hole in my heart for high sugar, you know, that I'm getting through these fruits. I'm not done breaking that then. I mean, I definitely still want some sugar. But I can can totally recognize that this is exactly what's happening. 
what I'm saying is, is that I think that there's a bit of a nutrient deficiency for me. I think that I believe you. Yeah. I think that I, I need more things, you know, like I was thinking cutting legumes out of my life is cutting a big protein out of my life, you know, and yes, we've been eating plenty of meat. So I'm sure we're probably getting plenty of protein. I've been throwing fried eggs on everything. I can eat a fried egg on anything that I can handle. But me switching to all my protein coming out of just the vegetables or meat that I eat, I'm not 100% sure that's enough protein for me, mm-hmm. you know, especially because well, where were you grabbing I'm probably protein eating more meat now than I normally eat because I'm hungry. Yeah, that's one of the things we've gotten into. Yeah. I'll make a larger than I ever needed to steak so that there is steak to do something with over the next couple of days. Yeah. I mean, we've had delicious food. Like, don't hear that. There's no complaints about the food. No, I'm talking about just the leftover schedule, that we are on one. Yeah. There's no complaints about the food. And that is the best part. The Whole30 diet where you are cooking fresh meals every day, that is a win. That's what I want in our life. That's a win. But it's making me look at how does my little body get enough of the good calories in it every day? To keep up with the amount of nutrients that I need. And prior and to this, this is what I was concerned about yeah. at the very beginning. Because I've got an itchy little cough that's probably allergies, air allergies is my guess, because of, you know, the flyover spray people are spraying the cotton fields around us and the rain sets off mold and mildew and there's lots of new plant allergens in the air mm-hmm. around, you know, because all the plants are blooming again and stuff like that. It's all happening. So there's all kinds. I took and threw gypsum all over the yard two nights in a row. I breathe all that crap in, you know. I guess I'm looking for, if you're going to make that kind of drastic change in your life, I'm looking for something more dramatic. Yeah. I'm, Maybe that's I'm what it is. I'm feeling, I think, the thing that you're missing. I think on the spectrum of healthy eating, you were already further down. I've just caught up with you on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I've lost 10 pounds in the 15 days. I lost eight real fast and then two more slowly. You didn't have that weight to lose. I actually gained weight and then lost weight and have stayed like right at my weight. Mm-hmm. I'm still, you but know. I've got the pep in my step that comes with that. I've yeah. got mental clarity and uh, drive for physical um, movement because of this. I can, I know it. Yeah. I was making up for more lost time than you were. I like the reset. I'll tell you like, I know for a fact that I will be able to tell, say no to more sugary crap, more crappy drinks, because it's not worthy of me, you know? But one of the the stressors, I guess, of living the type of life that I live, that I like to live, about wellness and food and all that, is that it's not convenient Whole to 30? get... Yeah. No. Or to no, but I mean like to live a healthy lifestyle where you eat clean foods is not convenient. You have to prepare yeah. food and meals and right. fresh cut right. and well, that's the if point you're going to eat a potato make, chip, you've got to make, make potato it. chips. Yeah, and, that's the point I was trying to make last week. If I walk into a convenience store and I'm only going to eat a whole food product, what is available to me? And the answer is nuts and water. And, and maybe they have the a little fruit why, thing by the stand. Like community things are better when we're trying to stay away from the convenience of food. Because That's, when you have yeah. a community of people, you work together to prepare meals and things like that. So that kind of a, not an advantage of like some of the stuff we have going on here at the farm. 
Certainly. It does make me curious about people doing diets. What does it actually mean to our body like when we do these things, you know? And I'm not the kind of person, we've talked about this on the show, where I don't get like test results because I don't go into, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I'm always curious about what's going on with my body right now. Like, am I feeling anemic right now? You know, am I feeling low sodium right now? What's going on with my body? Have I gone over the cliff of some kind of physical exertion? Right. You know? Am I dehydrated? Yeah. I don't feel like I look healthier right now. I mean, I don't look unhealthy. Like, I look at you and I'm like, you look healthier right now. Uh huh. I mean, I still think, you know, I still think that you're on a path. <laughs> I think everyone understands what you think now. <laughs> Continue. That's not what that. I'm also still a hormonal woman. You know, and I think that it's very clear on the podcast. Is this I'm about all... food? Yes, it is. Okay. Because we were talking about Whole30 and I mentioned this to you today. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now I have to go through Whole30 while I'm PMSing and on my period. You don't have to do Whole30 going through that. I said, you know? yeah, I said, I'll never understand what it's like. Dude. Anything would be a best I'm guess starving. and it's wrong. Right now. Like, I'm hmm. starving right now. Okay, so now. in your old life, hole negative one, when you could eat anything that was in our kitchen, what would you fill these holes with? Chocolate. <laughs> the, hold on, but you're not saying that the extra calories you require are chocolate. Okay, chips and, yeah. No, I don't. That That's the point cheese. I'm trying to make about convenience. Was, we ate, everything had cheese in it. Oh, my God. I, I'm like. Which is calories, you know, dairy no, but calories. I ate cheese to fill the gaps. Oh, you'd open up a brie. Yes. I ate cheese to fill the gaps. I ate corn chips and salsa to fill the gap. I ate chocolate bar to fill the gap. Chocolate bar is more about the nighttime like craving. So, so I what are you filling the, the gap with right now? Seaweed, salted seaweed. Way too many almonds because I don't really even like almonds that, that much. But it's a salty snack. In the absence of a bag of corn chips that you open up. And eat salsa or queso or, you can eat these... or guacamole. I'll, I eat avocados yeah. with salt and stuff. But I was eating avocados with salt and stuff. I was eating whole boiled eggs with salt and stuff on them. I was eating all of those things mm -hmm. already, you know? That was my point about telling you, like, I'm going to be hungry in this thing. And... I don't need to lose weight. This last few days, I was like, what is going on with me? Oh, and it's I'm all hormonal. Starving. It's got to be. Of course okay. it is. I'm with you now. Totally hormonal. Women are out. We just want to gorge on everything. We are, we're like a little, we're fattening up to like get through the, the, the week. Like we got to settle in, you know, food affects your hormones, the way that you eat certain types of food and what food you don't eat and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude. This is not fun. I'm really grumpy. You know? like When I've gotten into waste loss things that I was serious about, my whole mind shifts about food. It takes me a few days to get there, but when then I click and I'm into it, then I'm into it. So I heavily regulate an uh, increase in my water consumption. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I'm definitely drinking more water, but that is a different reason than that necessarily. And I can put hunger out of my mind. Yeah. I, to I, a point. I know there's a big dinner coming. I can put hunger out of my mind, but that doesn't mean that I'm it's not going day after day yeah. after day where I'm like... I've got more to lose than My you body right. is hungry. This is the skinny person eats a lot of sugar problem, right? We've got to keep our energy up all the time. 
So in a convenience world, you go with the fastest energy that you can get to. And that's how we end up in those bad habits. Skinny people with fast metabolisms. That's... So how do we fix this problem for you? What are some Whole30 compliant things that we need to... I have no clue. Yeah, I know. That's I what... probably, just like I had made those protein balls before, maybe I need to make some sort of a protein ball. Whole30 compliant. I don't know. I probably need to eat more almond butter, but my God. How much like... almond... Oh, Yeah. But even like, like it's too filling, right. like it's too much fiber. Like that's half the battle with me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need more sodium, less fiber. Okay. Mom's going to say, you need to put electrolytes in your water every day. The other day when I was having a grumpy hormonal fit, she gave me some electrolytes. She's like, drink this, put it in your water. It'll make you feel better. I believe you had an awareness about yourself that a lot of people that go on Whole30 do not have, which is the reason why they're going on Whole30. This is 100% what I've been trying to explain when I say to people, I've been doing this stuff since I was 19. This isn't new for me. Right. So are you going to do it for 15 more days? Of course I am. Why? Because I committed to it. Because I'm not afraid of being without sugar and alcohol for 30 more days. Continue the reset. And I'm going to eat what you cook to eat. Yeah, I'm going to continue the reset. So last week you made a joke. You're like, you made me feel like we're going to be starving to death. Right. It's because I knew that at week two, I was going to be starving. Yeah. Like I was going to be hungry. Like this isn't enough food for me. And I can't eat more fire. I can't eat more girth. My stomach won't hold it. You know? So it's like I'm over there like literally like eating salt out of the salt thing just so I can eat some salt. You know, and then like drinking 800 bubbly waters, you know, so that I can have, I don't know, some kind of an illusion that I've got some sort of sugary, Uh, like sweet feeling going in with me rather than eating any more fiber. You should see the turds I'm laying right now, you guys. I believe that. the biggest turd I've ever seen. You're calling my poop stories profane and perverted? Exactly you <laughs> i sound a little grumpy today don't i you guys i made ribs <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm grumpy in case y'all i made trombone chino diet is not making me feel like happy <laughs> and i made a zupa toscana all whole 30 the zupa toscana was excellent and it had delicious kale and cabbage and all the beautiful things coming out of my garden and it was nice and salty and i ate three bowls of it already so good. We have done ribs on this show many times. Holy shit. I ate like an entire rack of ribs by myself. <laughs> so from time to time when we make ribs, you flip them over so the concave is there and you got to knife off that membrane. That's very critical and important to do. You get better at it every time you do it. Don't get frustrated the first time. It's not easy. I know how to do it now. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to make your rub. This time I used a Mexican seasoning dry rub. Mm-hmm. I never made it this way before. I'll post that recipe. Didn't I have an idea of like something to put it with? And that's the reason why you ended up doing a... Yeah, the tromboncino fajitas. Oh, that's right. We made the tromboncino fajitas. I had this thought that if we could assign a color to every time we say the name of a vegetable. Mm-hmm. And then you could see that visually over like a time period, you would see the seasonality. Of course. Because here comes the tromboncino. Mm-hmm. And we'll begin talking about that until we don't talk about it anymore because mm-hmm. we don't have any more to eat. Tromboncino mm-hmm. fajitas. Your mom made tromboncino fajitas where tromboncino is taking the place of the meat. They did a meatless kind of thing. Right. 
we added meat. But we added, we, we added it to the side of some pork ribs. That's, that's what we exactly did. what we did. And I'll post that recipe as well. Mm-hmm. But it had a kind of a Mexican flavor to it. So we went right. with the Mexican ribs. Yes. So you rub that rub all over those ribs. Make twice as much as the recipe tells you to do. Then wrap it tightly in foil. Three hours. Don't look at it. Three hours. Don't even open it to look at it at 275 degrees. They fall right off the bone. It's amazing. I ate a whole rack of them. I've had one day of a lot of energy. One. I found myself, you were you had fallen asleep on the couch. And was I, that Elvis night? It might have been. And I was awake. I don't know. I didn't realize what time it was. Uh-huh. And I was like, I need something. Okay. You go for a midnight snack? Yeah. What'd you find? A rib. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that was all there was to eat. Salty rib. I ate it in bed like a grandma. I ate a rib in bed, you guys. This trip has taken me from chocolate in bed <laughs> to pork ribs in bed. The fact is, is that I don't necessarily want to change all of my habits. Some of my habits I'm per- perfectly okay with. <laughs> well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question we can deep dive into? Do you find it easier to give or to receive? Well, because I'm a woman, I find it easier to receive. But I'm learning that it's actually easier to give, and I'm seeing that. For me, it's easier to give. Of course. You're a man. You think it's very broadly general? It's very broadly general. You literally are a giver. That's what a man's body does. A woman's body receives. So our nature is I'm a receiver and you're a giver. Can we go do that right now? No. (laughs) No. They're saying it's perverted. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime... Hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.